welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 161, Walking on Water. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. All right, we're going to start with reading the story that we're going to talk about. So we're going to read the version that is in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Okay, I love the opening intro of the Come Follow Me manual lesson this week, so we're going to read it. It says, What could have inspired Peter to leave the safety of his boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee during a boisterous storm? What led him to believe that if Jesus could walk on water, he could too? We can't know for certain, but perhaps Peter understood that the Son of God came not just to do wonderful things for the people, but to empower people like Peter to do wonderful things too. Jesus' invitation, after all, was, Come, follow me. Peter had accepted this invitation once, and he was willing to accept it again, even if it meant facing his fears and doing something that seemed impossible. Perhaps the Lord will not ask us to step out of a boat in the middle of a storm or contribute our meager supply of bread when thousands need to eat. But he may ask us to accept directions even when we fully don't understand them. Whatever his invitations to us may be, they may sometimes seem surprising or even frightening, but miracles can happen if we, like Peter, set aside our fears, our doubts, and our limited understanding and follow him in faith. My favorite question asked there was, what led Peter to believe that if Jesus could walk on water, he could too? I often think superficially of following Jesus as obeying his commandments. And that, of course, is important. But this question reminds us that it's bigger than that. He's not inviting us to follow him merely to be good people, but he intends for us so much more than that. He means for us to follow him in every sense of that phrase, follow him to exaltation. Now, jumping all the way from following him in a more simple way, all the way till exaltation, that's a big leap. But I think an important one to actually believe. I think it's a lot easier for us to grasp that we can be good people or that we can do good things in the name of the Savior. But to actually believe him when he tells us that we can become like him, that we can become exalted, is a necessary part for us grasping the vision that he has for us. Again, going back to what the Come, Follow Me manual said, perhaps Peter understood that the Son of God came not just to do wonderful things for the people, but to empower people like Peter to do wonderful things too. Do we believe, truly, 
that we can do all of the things that the Lord tells us that we can eventually attain and become and do. The Lord's doctrine teaches us that we can become like him in fullness. Romans chapter 6 verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If it so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Joint heir, glorified together, suffering with him. When you become a parent, you wish the very best outcome for your child. You want them to be happy. You want them to be safe. You want them to reach their full potential. Typically, a lot of my instinctual desires for my kids ultimately are often very limited to my mortal brain and what I'm imagining. Often, I'm thinking just about their mortal life. Of course, I want my kids to be happy, safe, and reach their full potential, but I know that my thoughts often stop short of the truly worthwhile versions of those desires. I want them to be happy, but what do I mean when I say that? What am I usually picturing? Maybe I'm picturing a comfortable, carefree childhood, a determined, excited teenager, and a successful adult in career, family life, and community. While all of those things are worthwhile desires, I know that there is a higher, better version of that. Heavenly Father wants us to have a mortal experience here on earth that will help us grow, which requires the use of agency. Now, I know that often I push against allowing my children to use their agency sometimes. I sometimes want to control what they do. And to an extent, you gradually let go of the reins of a child as they get older and you allow them to use their agency in a wider and wider extent. Of course, you don't let a little child do whatever they want because that's your job, right? To teach them to gradually be more independent of you. So is the way Heavenly Father thinks of parenting a better way to parent my children? My wish for them is that they use their agency, and my ultimate hope is that they use it to make it back to our Heavenly Father. But in order for that to happen, I have to be okay with allowing them to use their agency and make mistakes along the way. That's what Heavenly Father sent us down to do, to use our agency, because that's what we need in order to grow and to become like Him eventually. Doesn't it make sense that as the Father of our spirit, Our Heavenly Father wants us to experience and have all of the things that He has, just like we have that desire for our children. One of my favorite things about the gospel is that the doctrine just makes sense. And that makes sense to me. Heavenly Father wants me to have the same kind of joy and fulfillment that He experiences. Now, when I think back to the things that I started with, where I say, I want these things for my children, I want them to be happy, be safe, and reach their full potential. Isn't it interesting to think that in order for them to reach their full potential, they can't always be happy. They won't always be safe in order to reach that end goal of their true full potential. And that's what Heavenly Father does when he sends us down to earth. We won't always be happy. We won't always be safe. But he knows that we need that freedom, that agency to experience the good and the evil the sad and the happy, the pleasure and pain in order to reach our full potential. So that full potential, exaltation, what is exaltation? Gospel Topics tells us this about exaltation. Exaltation is eternal life. 
the kind of life that God lives. He lives in great glory. He is perfect. He possesses all knowledge and all wisdom. He is the father of spirit children. He is a creator. We can become like our Heavenly Father. This is exaltation. Those who receive exaltation in the celestial kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ will receive special blessings. The Lord has promised all things are theirs. These are some of the blessings given to exalted people. They will live eternally in the presence of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. They will become gods. They will be united eternally with their righteous family members and will be able to have eternal increase, meaning eternal posterity. They will have a fullness of joy. They will have everything that our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have, all power, glory, dominion, and knowledge. President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, The Father has promised through the Son that all that He has shall be given to those who are obedient to His commandments. They shall increase in knowledge, wisdom, and power, going from grace to grace until the fullness of the perfect day shall burst upon them. Okay, so at this point... (laughs) You're probably wondering what all of this has to do with Peter and the question that we talked about at the beginning. Let's go back to the question. What led Peter to believe that if Jesus could walk on water, he could too? He was the only disciple who did so. We don't have any record of any of the others trying to do the same thing. What was going on in Peter's mind that made him decide to follow the Lord into the realm of what seemed like an impossibility? I don't know about you, but most of the time, me imagining myself with my husband as gods, creating worlds without end, and being perfected feels pretty impossible and unimaginable. We really suck a lot of the time. We also do really well a lot of the time, and I think most of us fall into that category. And because of that, it feels pretty unimaginable. So what has to happen in our mind to make us decide to follow the Lord, not just in superficial living of the gospel, but into the realm of what seems like impossibility, into that realm that makes a new creature, that creates a true change of heart? I think we all probably can get to the answer of that, right? Faith. Faith that even though someday truly becoming as he is seems impossible, that it is. Faith in him that he cannot lie. He says it can be, and so it can be. I think that Nephi had it right. I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he hath commanded them. Now what's that way? It is through the grace and atonement of Jesus Christ. We won't be perfect. That is why he is the way. We cannot achieve this without him. Elder Holland said this in his talk, Be ye therefore perfect eventually. He says, The scriptures were written to bless and encourage us, and surely they do that. We thank heaven for every chapter and verse we have ever been given. But have you noticed that every now and then a passage will appear that reminds us that we are falling a little short? For example, the Sermon on the Mount begins with soothing gentle beatitudes. But in the verse that follows, we are told, among other things, Not only not to kill, but also not even to be angry. We are told not only to not commit adultery, but also not to even have impure thoughts. To those who ask for it, we are to give our coat and then our cloaks also. We are to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, and do good to them who hate us. If that is your morning scripture study, and after reading just that far, you are pretty certain you are not going to get good marks on your gospel report card, then the final commandment in the chain is sure to finish the job. 
Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. With that concluding imperative, we want to go back to bed and pull the covers over our head. Such celestial goals seem beyond our reach. Yet surely the Lord would never give us a commandment he knew we could not keep. My brothers and sisters, except for Jesus, there have been no flawless performances on this earthly journey we are pursuing. So while in mortality, let's strive for steady improvement without obsessing over what behavioral scientists call toxic perfectionism. We should avoid that latter excessive expectation of ourselves and of others, I might add, of those who are called to serve in the church, which for Latter-day Saints means everyone, for we are all called to serve somewhere. Leo Tolstoy once wrote of a priest who was criticized by one of his congregants for not living as resolutely as he should, the critic concluding that the principles of the erring preacher taught must therefore also be erroneous. In response to that criticism, the priest says, Look at my life now and compare it to my former life. You will see that I am trying to live out the truth I proclaim. Unable to live up to the high ideals he taught, the priest admits he has failed, but he cries, Attack me if you wish. I do this myself, but don't attack the path I follow. If I know the way home, but am walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way simply because I am staggering from side to side? Do not gleefully shout, look at him. There he is crawling into a bog. No, do not gloat, but give your help to anyone trying to walk the road back to God. Oh, don't you love that? My favorite part in that is when he cries, attack me if you wish. I do this myself, but don't attack the path I follow. And as I read that, I say that to myself. I think so many of us, as we try, as we're stumbling along, we get frustrated with ourselves. And sometimes we doubt the path. And sometimes that leads people in really dark places away from God. The priest could have allowed that criticism by his congregant to make him doubt his path the path. He could have allowed it to make him doubt his own ability. But at least in this instance, he acknowledged his great imperfection, but he believed in the path, knowing that it was the right way, even though he stumbles. He had faith in the creator of the path. Elder Dennis E. Simmons said, faith is not bravado, not just a wish, not just a hope. True faith is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ confidence and trust in Jesus Christ that leads a person to follow him. Jesus Christ is the way. When Peter walks out to the Lord, he got scared because the wind became boisterous. For a moment, he lost his confidence and trust in the Savior, his faith in the Savior. But when that happened, what was his reaction? He said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? Is that our reaction when the winds get boisterous? Do we cry out saying, Lord, save me? As you do that, he will make up for the faith that you lack. We need to be willing to step out of the ship. The path to exaltation cannot possibly be traveled if we are clinging desperately to what feels safe to us. As any skilled goal setter will tell you, you have to have little goals along the way as you work your way toward your ultimate goal. So that's where we're at right now. We are all far off from exaltation. So what is a step that you can take toward the Lord that truly requires faith on your part? It won't be the same for everyone. It might be tithing. It might be forgiveness granted to someone who has deeply hurt you, or at least a step in that direction. 
It might be being willing to put yourself out there as you try to figure out how to most effectively minister. It might be accepting a calling that you don't feel like you're adequate for. It might be practicing courageous Christ-like parenting. It might be following the prompting that you've been putting off. Whatever that thing is, do it. That doesn't mean that the metaphorical winds might not get boisterous around you. They probably will. But you have someone in whom you can have perfect trust. Now probably you'll be like Peter, and at some point you might start to sink as your faith wavers. But stay close to the Lord, so that your first reaction is, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus will stretch forth his hand and catch you, and say, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Let's end with a promise from Elder Uchtdorf. As an apostle of the Lord, I invite and bless you to cheerfully do all things that lie in your power, and then may you stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And I promise that the Lord will cause unimaginable things to come from your righteous labors. Walking on water was unimaginable and yet achieved. The goal that your Heavenly Father has for you feels unimaginable. And yet, I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he hath commanded them. So let's gather up some faith and get walking. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.